Heavenly Father, in this unstable world, may we be those who find our security in the city of God, which will last forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many thought that the city of Rome and the Roman Empire would last forever. But in 410 AD, the unthinkable happened, and Rome fell to the Goths. This was the 9-11 event of its day, and it sent shockwaves around the then-known world. At the time, there were many who said the fall of Rome was a punishment of the Goths. But the empire had abandoned the traditional Roman religion in favour of Christianity. And many said, well, this is the punishment of the Roman gods. Now, in response to these accusations, uh, the great bishop and theologian Augustine wrote his famous work, The City of God. And from the Bible, Augustine rightly argued that the whole of history was the tale of two cities. The city of man and the city of God. And whilst the city of man would ultimately fall, the city of God would last forever. What did he mean by the city of man? The city of man is society organised independent of God. Society in rebellion against God. In other words, it's the kingdom of this age. People are living for themselves in greed and materialism, in luxury and pride, and in selfish ambition. But there is another city, the city of God. And it's a recurring theme throughout the whole Bible. The city of God. God's people living in God's place under God's rule. It's another way of referring to the kingdom of God. And God has established this city and God is progressively building the city throughout human history. And the city has a dazzling end point. And all who are members of this city have a glorious and a secure future. Now this motive of the, the city of God has a very striking development as we follow along the Bible storyline. And today that's what we're going to do. We're going to trace this development through the Bible, starting with Psalm 46 as our launch pad. And we're going to break the storyline down into three eras. What I'm going to call firstly the past, which is the Old Testament era. A second in the present, which is the New Testament era, which we now live. And finally, the future, which is the new creation brought about by the return of Christ. And what we're going to see is this. This theme has a profound relevance for people of every age. It carries deep implications for our security and our perspective in life. And ask the fundamental questions of each person, of which city are you a member? And in which city are your hopes and dreams founded? They ask the question, where do you see your security in life? So therefore, firstly, the city of God in the past, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the city of God was, of course, the historical city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem that was set on Mount Zion. And as Psalm 46, verses 4 to 7 makes clear, it was a great place to live. It was safe and secure. It had everything required for a good life under God. Its residents enjoyed the benefits of God's presence, God's provision, and God's protection. It's 
Firstly and fundamentally, the city of God enjoyed God's presence. Look at the latter half of verse 4 through to verse 5. The city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, God is within her. Although God lived in heaven, He had chosen to reveal Himself in a special way among His people in Jerusalem in the temple. And this was an amazing blessing. God's presence in the city. And it set that city apart from all other cities. And secondly, and as a result of God's presence, the city enjoyed God's provision. Look at the first half of verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Now, in the ancient world, a river was of vital importance to a city. The river was its water supply. The river sustained the life of the city. And no water, no city. And so, the water supply in Jerusalem came from a spring just outside the city walls. And this spring came to symbolize God's provision. God's provision for His people. Just as the water supply of the city, so God abundantly and faithfully provided for all his people's needs. So God's presence, God's provision, and thirdly, God's protection. As a result of God's presence in the city, it was protected. Verse 5. Uh, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, God's presence guarantees God's protection. And it's a position of great security. Because God is within her, she will not fall. And like Rome, the kingdoms of this world will rise and fall. At the nation's rage, but this city is secure because of God's presence within her. Why? Because the God who indwells her is supremely powerful. Verse 6 again. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. If God is on your side, it means you cannot be overcome. And so, uh, in the past, the ancient city of Jerusalem was invincible whilst God was within her. When under siege and facing overwhelming odds, the city of Jerusalem stood firm. As uh, the context which was read out to us uh, explained to Chronicles 20, may well be the original context of this psalm. These vast Moabite and Ammonite armies had come up against the city, and yet the residents of the city didn't have to fight. The Lord fought for them, and the Lord routed these invading armies. But tragically, as history unfolds, Israel sought her security in other things. The Israelites turned to other gods and to foreign alliances for their security. And finally, in the book of Ezekiel, we see this terrifying vision. God withdrawing his presence from the temple and from the city. And with the departure of God's presence, Jerusalem does eventually fall. 
to the Babylonians in 587 BC. But this was not the end of the city of God, for it pointed forward to a more glorious reality. Because then we move on to the city of God in the present, in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament it becomes clear the historical city was a picture of a greater spiritual reality. The city of God now is not an earthly city we can locate on Google Maps. Rather, the city of God now is the church. It is the people of God living under God's rule. And those who trust in Jesus now become immediately citizens. Citizens of this heavenly city. Hebrews 12 verse 22 speaks of this present reality for Christians, saying, You have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. And as members of this heavenly Jerusalem, it means this. Christians in the present enjoy the benefits of God's presence, His protection and His provision. So firstly, God's presence. We know, don't we? Every person who trusts in Christ is given this wonderful gift of God's Holy Spirit. As Jesus promises in John 14, He is, and I quote, the Spirit of truth, and He lives with you and will be in you. And in contrast to the ancient city of Jerusalem, Christ now promises in Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, Never will I forsake you. You see, our circumstances may be no better to those around us. God's people still lose their jobs. God's people still get sick like everyone else. But it makes a difference knowing that through it all, God is with us and God is within us by His Spirit. And He walks with us through each day and through each year. So firstly, God's people now enjoy God's presence. Secondly, we enjoy God's provision. Because the irony is this, the Spirit is not only the means of God's presence, but also the means of God's provision for His people. The river supplying the city of God now is no longer H2O. It is a spiritual reality which God's people now enjoy. Listen to what Jesus says in John 7 and verse 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. There it is, the Spirit who gives us living waters. And God's provision is not just spiritual, it is also material. In the Sermon on Mount, Matthew 6, Jesus says this to his followers. So do not worry, saying, <clears throat> what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now this week we've seen great fluctuations on the world's stock markets. But in a world where stock markets rise and fall, we can rest secure in the knowledge that God will provide all that his people need, both spiritually and 
materially. And thirdly, members of the city of God now enjoy also God's protection. All who believe in Jesus are secure because the all-powerful God dwells within them. They are secure, they will not fall. He will bring them home. Uh, this was the experience of the Apostle Paul. Uh, he faced great opposition in his gospel ministry, and yet he writes this in 2 Timothy 4. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heaven heavenly kingdom. The question we may want to pose is this. In what sense can we trust in God's provision for us and God's protection over us now? Because the reality is, do Christians ever starve to death? Well, in some parts of the world they do. Uh, do Christians and businesses ever go bankrupt? Yes, they do. Uh, do Christians ever end up homeless? Yes, they do. And therefore, in what sense can we rest in God's provision and His protection now? Well, we know, don't we, that God has a perfect will for our lives. God has already decided the length of our lives. He has ordained the number of days that we will live on this earth. And God also knows the works He wants us to do. He's already ordained the good works He wants us to do in His good purposes during our lives. And therefore the point is this. For the span of life granted to us, and for the work that God wants us to do during that time, He's going to grant us the provision and the protection that we need. He will provide us everything necessary to do His will, and He will present, preserve our life until the time has come to call us home. And therefore, we can find rest and trust in His perfect will now, because He will provide all we need, and He will protect us as long as, as it is His will. So, we've seen uh, the Bible, in the Bible, the city of God in the past, in the Old Testament, the city of God in the present, and finally we see the city of God in the future when the Lord Jesus returns. Because it points us to fulfillment in the renewed creation. Uh, John, uh, Revelation 21 is a vision given to the Apostle John of the renewal of all things when Christ returns. And there he sees this, Revelation 21 verse 2. The holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, is it a literal city which descends like some UFO from to earth? Now, clearly not. Now, in the same verse, this reality is described in two different ways. It's a city, but it is also a bride. Now, again, in Revelation 21 verse 9, the city is referred to as the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Uh, do you see, it's picking up on the image used in Isaiah in the Old Testament and in the New Testament of God's people being the bride and Christ is the bridegroom. And therefore the point is this, the heavenly city and the bride are both symbolic of the same thing, the same reality. They are speaking of the church, the people of God in the new creation. 
Do you see? They point to the joyous union between God's people and God himself. And did you notice there is something mesmerizing attractive about the city and the bride? And the bride is beautifully dressed. The city is dazzling in its radiance. Revelation 21 verse 11. It shone with the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that, but very precious too. Like a jasper, clear as crystal. You see, this is the climax of all things. This is the climax of salvation history. The climax of God's purposes. Everything that marks our enjoyment of life has been removed. All the dross of sin has been purged. What we're seeing is perfect society bound together by the fabric of perfect love. There, God's people perfectly enjoy His presence, His provision, and His protection. They enjoy His presence, for there we will be with God forever in a relationship of intimacy which we can hardly begin to imagine in this life. Revelation 22 verse 3 The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him and they will see His face. Even now, as Christians with God's indwelling spirit, we see God as through a mirror dimly. But then, we will see Him face to face. A level of intimacy with God, of which now we can only have a brief foretaste. And in that perfected society, we will enjoy God's perfect provision. He will provide everything we need spiritually, emotionally, and materially for life to the full. Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. There it is, the river again, the river of provision, the water of eternal life. There for us all to drink forever. And in that perfected society, living in the new creation, there will be no more need for God's protection. For then all evil will have been eradicated forever. In the ancient world, the city gates were closed at night to protect its citizens against attack. But in the new Jerusalem, the new creation, we read this, Revelation 21, verse 20. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night's time. You see, the evil will not just have been eradicated from without, but also from within. Our hearts will have been cleansed from all selfishness and all sinfulness. Then we will enjoy perfect society together, perfect love together. So, how should this impact us in the present? And the most basic and fundamental question that flows out of it is this. Of which city are you a citizen? The city of man 
for the city of God. Dual citizenship in these cities is not an option. We are all born into the city of man. This is our natural abode. But through faith in Christ, our citizenship is transferred. And we become then citizens of the city of God. If you are currently a member of the city of man, please remember, ultimately, that city will fall. Like Rome, it may seem secure, but ultimately its fortunes will not last. It will not stand the test of time, that is, eternity. And yet you need not remain in that city. You can transfer citizenship. It simply involves humbly coming to Christ and asking. In the closing verses of the Bible, the risen Lord Jesus says these words to all who will listen. Revelation 22, verse 17. Come, whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. And the great news is this. With immediate effect when we do that, we enjoy God's presence, and we can be secure in God's provision and His protection. But then, for those of us who already are citizens of the city of God, what implications flow out of what we've been seeing today for us? Well, in the short term, we do not know what lies ahead. We do not know what opportunities and what challenges await us in 2016. But however, in the long term, we do know what lies ahead. We know the end point. We know the heavenly city waits. We know the unending joy in a perfect society in God's presence in the renewed world is ultimately our destiny. The question is this. Why does God give us the glimpse of this end point? And I think the point is this. It helps us to maintain a sense of presence a perspective in the present in 2016. It helps us to continue to walk the path of faith now. It strengthens us on our journey to the renewed creation now. And it encourages us to continue to pour our energies into gospel ministry now, as I know many of you do. In the Bible we see Abraham as the classic example of a person whose life in the present was shaped by God's promise of the eternal city. His faith was invigorated by the prospect of what was to come. His priorities and his life perspective were moulded by the end point. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as in his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. <coughs> he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham is the example that we should follow. And therefore, as we venture out into 2016, let's ensure that our sights are set on the end point. Perfect society in God's presence enjoying God's provision and God's protection forever. 
And the point is also this. Let's seek to have a deeper experience of that now. I don't know if you made any New Year's resolutions a few weeks ago, but if you did, here is one you can add. And if you didn't, maybe here is your resolution for the year. Why not make it our aim this year to enjoy a deeper level of security in God's presence, His provision, and His protection? To go deeper in our enjoyment of that security this year. Because the Christian life is a journey. It's a journey of becoming more secure in God's love. As we grow spiritually, the implications and the wonder of the gospel impact us more deeply. And they flow through from our head to our heart. And the benefits of being a child of God dawn on us to a greater degree and we think, this is how it should play out in the way that I live. You see, currently we live in the same world as citizens of the city of man. We face the same uncertainties and the same volatilities that they do. But the big difference is that we have God's presence with us. The Old Testament Israel had God's presence with her. And yet what did she do as her history unfolded? Tragically, she transferred her trust from God to foreign idols and to foreign alliances. And so, when we bring it back to us today, here's the tricky question for us to ask. Where do I get my sense of security in life? Are there some things on which I have an unhealthy reliance for my security in life? And that is a very complex question to ask. Because, of course, it's not wrong to enjoy things of this world now. It's not wrong to have savings, to have houses, and to enjoy relationships. They are God's provision for us. But the question is this, is there not always the danger that we start to value the provision more than the provider? Is there not always the danger that our security in life becomes too tied to these things? I'll give you an example from my own life. Uh, all our savings, uh, Trace and myself, are tied up in shares. Uh, I manage them myself. Over the years, I've done a reasonably good job of managing our portfolio. However, last year, uh, with the volatility of the share market, uh, I made a couple of decisions which went against us quite significantly. I was interested to note the effect that it had on me time. I became incredibly anxious. I didn't know which way the stock market was going to go. And I noticed I really felt very traumatised when these decisions I made went against us. Uh, Fifteen years ago, I didn't really have any savings of note. But since then, I started to build up a bit of a nest egg. And I then started to ask the question, has there been a subtle change within me over that time? As my savings have started to grow, have I started to become more secure in the security they offer me? And I then ask the question, what is this sense of trauma that I'm feeling 
What's tell me about my heart? Is it showing me that actually I've started to hold on to them too high tightly? I've started to put too much of my trust in the security that they bring. So, that was my own experience. Maybe uh, that is something for you to take away and to reflect for yourselves. Uh, when we get anxious, when we feel traumatized, one question to ask is, is it, is it exposing a misplaced security? Have I become unhealthy reliant on these things for my security in this life now? Am I valuing the provision now more than the provider? It's a complex question, but it's something worth reflecting on. Because such incidents when we feel that trauma may act as windows in our hearts. And if handled properly, they can provide us with the opportunity for spiritual growth. We can repent, we can say, hey God, I have become reliant on these things too much. Please God, help me to trust you afresh. Help me to get my true security from you. So, may the Lord enable us to live as people of vision in this year, finding our delight and security increasingly in our provider and in his provision and protection. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, this motif of the city of God has a dazzling endpoint. It has this wonderful benefit to us now of giving us a perspective in this life so that we can see the endpoint. We know where we're going. And we know, therefore, that we can trust in you now to provide all we need on that journey there. Help us, we pray, this coming year to have a deeper sense of enjoyment of the security, the true security which you give us. Help us not to over-invest our hopes and aspirations in these things now, but to remain balanced in our view of life, to enjoy them, but also to enjoy that security that comes from your presence within us and your time last year.